Yeah. Uh huh. Listen close. Listen. Uh, it's easy to be creative, you got the mind for it Then get reminded you really ain't got the time for it But why ignore it, cause self-expression's a must Art is difficult, but so is life and y'all ain't giving up, no You say you're broke or you're lacking a bit of talent But your art is so unique to yourself that that's invalid You say you don't know how to start, so now you trapped in But you can start your journey right now if you imagine Art is passion, yup Art is truth, art is dream, art is fashion, uh Art is action You can develop your craft as well with some practice A couple minutes don't hide behind the distraction So no more excuses I know that you can do this You realize that everything is art and you produce it Without you even knowing Long as you stay devoted to thinking, dreaming and hoping You're always making your music Okay, well, Messy Artists, I'm here today with Rebecca from journaling.com and I'm very excited to talk to her because we've actually, we've spoken already and then I thought, you know what, I need to speak to you some more and so we made a plan and I feel like the universe aligned with everything about this chat, no pressure, (laughs) but yeah, hi, before I go on too much about you, how are you doing? Fine. Hi, everyone. <laughs> Rebecca, you are in Portland. Portland, Oregon, which is the Pacific Northwest of the U.S. Okay. Is there another Portland in America? Yes, there is. Portland, Maine. It was the original Portland. Oh, I feel like the but, Oregon one has taken over. Yeah. You know, the founders of Portland, Oregon came from Portland, Maine. That's why they named it that. It's interesting how your country likes naming places that, with the same name. You know, I don't get it. And it's usually European names. It's pretty confusing. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So Rebecca, tell us a little bit about your story and a little bit about journaling.com story. Okay. So I've been a lifetime journaler, but I'm not an art journaler. I'm looking forward to exploring that side of myself. So I'm pretty, I'm still in the, I'm very intimidated about the art side of it. You know, unlike your people. But um, yeah, so I used to be the CEO and founder of homeschool.com and I sold it two years ago. And I was looking for, you know, what is my next thing? Because for me, being an entrepreneur is kind of my art. I think that that same feeling that you have for your, you know, for your, for drawing and painting, I have that for kind of the business stuff. I have such a passion for it. I read books about it, about, you know, I order from Amazon. They sit there on a shelf. I just look at them. I go, oh, what, what business book, what marketing book am I going to read now? It's a total nerd thing. And then I take notes about them and I love talking about it. So then I saw this opportunity. I said, you're kidding me. Nobody has opened up journaling.com. So I found this great journaling resources. I found something for um, like the physical side of it, the mindfulness side of it, the art, the practical, the bullet journaling, but there was no one place that brought everybody together. And I thought, wow, I could be really good at that because that's what homeschool.com was. It was a, a safe place where every style of homeschooler and every homeschooling business has come together. And that's what we're doing now with journaling.com. We just opened up, we just celebrated our two month anniversary. 
So it's, yeah, it's so much fun. It's, it's like the, the palette for me and the canvas. I'm really enjoying it. And I have the same staff that was with me for homeschool.com, some of them for 22 years. So we're, we're really loving. Last week, we had what we called it a shark tank for our tagline. We couldn't figure out where our tagline was going to be. So we try to make everything fun. So we said, okay, each one of us has to pick our best tagline. We bring it onto the staff call. And each person had to convince the others why their tagline was the best. <laughs> Which one won? <laughs> It ended up being so simple. So yes. the same man who designed journaling.com, he has this beautiful, his name is Jonathan. He has this beautiful quality about him. He's an artist. So he just talks to us calmly about, I thought that your guide to self-discovery would be a good tagline for us because it ties in with the paths. We take people on the five paths to journaling, and it also has some authority behind them and some comfort that we will guide them through this experience. <laughs> anyway, yeah. so by the time he Literally. finished his Shark Tank um, your presentation, we're all like, oh, my mind doesn't have a chance now. <laughs> this is the big winner. Yeah, I feel bad for the person that had to go after that. <laughs> <laughs> That's what the person said. They go, I don't want to follow that. <laughs> Yeah. That is a lovely tagline. I love that so much. Yeah. He did the same thing for us when he was choosing our logo and the font. It has a little pen nib. If you go to journaling.com, you artists, you're really going to appreciate this. He's like, I really gave a lot of thought to the font and oh. what the pen nib represents. Oh my gosh, he just had me. I you know, love by the him. time he talks about it and the thought he gives to everything, you'll notice it even for the website. It's so beautiful. He goes, in the amount of white space, he said, I want people to relax when they come in, like they can have a cup of tea, and we're just going to take them by the hand and show them all the different ways to journal, and there's no wrong way, and it feels really peaceful. So every time he creates something for us, we don't, you, know, you don't have to know the backstory behind it, but you feel it. Uh, that's oh. kind of the power of art, isn't it? And creativity. Oh, I love that so much. Oh, I love how you say that you're a business artist as well, because I feel like, I feel like I am too, maybe not as, maybe not like on your level, on your level, but like, I find like art seeps into everything, right? And so if you see business as an art, it just elevates it and it makes it like a creative, um, like a creative pursuit. It, it's a creative outlet, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Oh. And allowing that creativity to come through and feeling that inspiration, that whole idea that you're in spirit, you know, and of course, when you're so lucky is when you're in flow, that doesn't happen all that often, but boy, doesn't that feel great when you're not in your own head and you're not listening to your monkey mind and you're not judging what you're doing. Instead, it's just kind of coming to you and flowing out through you, whatever your medium is whether it's the canvas or the journal or a website, just that, that state of flow, that state of creativity feels so good. Oh, yes. Oh, I love it. I'm so, like, I'm really, yeah. I, I'm just so excited for this whole discussion. I feel like I'm, I'm already getting so much out of it and I'm writing notes and my page is already full. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, but I'm excited in particular to talk to you today because, Gamesi deals with the art side of journaling and one of the very like very big questions that I keep getting every single month from messy artists is 
about all about the journaling part of art journaling. And I feel like you are the expert. And today you're going to talk to us a little bit about journaling, the journaling of journaling um, and the five different paths that it can take you on. It is kind of a journey, isn't it? It's like the journey of journaling. Because as I mentioned, I've been a lifelong journaler as so many people are, but now that I'm interviewing all of these journaling experts, like I interviewed you, which is fantastic, by the way, but I'm discovering that, that there's this whole world. I didn't even know that something existed called art journaling. I didn't know that there was something called bullet journaling. I didn't know that there was something incredibly powerful called therapeutic journaling. So if you don't mind, let me just riff for a few minutes about some of the cool things I've discovered because I'm on this journey with you and with your listeners. And I keep, for example, I've discovered that I am, I'm doing bullet journaling to run journaling.com oh. because the, it's like all the lemmings you know, are going using HubSpot. So the prevailing thought is you have to use something on a computer, a software. And I thought, no, darn it. I'm, you know, I'm the CEO of journaling.com. I want to see, can I manage our big business using a journal? So, And this, I think, might really help a lot of your listeners as well because maybe they have podcasts or they have YouTube channels. And I know for a lot of creatives, really a lot of everybody, there's that fear that things are going to slip through our fingers, that insecurity that we're going to miss something, that, oh, I should have done a better job. So I'm finding this bullet journal to be a really effective way of peaceful productivity. So if you don't mind, I'll just show you mine. So I know that a lot of people, you're probably familiar with the artistic side of of bullet journaling, where people put a lot of effort into the beauty of their journal. So I didn't do that, of course, because that's not my thing. I'm not as drawn to it. I'm looking at it for efficiency, productivity, and I'm really looking at it for peace of mind. I, I noticed that's the big draw. So my bullet journal is probably the ugliest one that anybody has ever seen. So I use I usually use just um, like an ugly spiral notebook. Or this time I have a little prettier one because I went to a business conference and they handed out, by the way, journaling is just so hot nowadays. Like there's this total tipping point coming. At this business conference, they gave everyone journals. Oh, and there was 2,200 people and so many of them were journalers, but people are really recognizing the power of this analog system, this connection of writing things down. In fact, by the way, there's a scientific reason for that. I interviewed um, Dr. Dan Siegel and Dr. James Pennebaker, so people can come to the site and listen to their interviews. It's fascinating. But one of the reasons journaling works, whether it's just an ugly bullet journal or art journaling, is that it slows you down and you're thinking analytically, you're using the analytical hemisphere of your brain to think about something emotional or creative. And now you are coming at it as a whole brain approach. So you've mm -hmm. now combined the hemispheres. And that's why it is so powerful, why people get such clarity and such relief about it is that by slowing down and using a pen or a brush or even a keyboard, but by taking, allowing the space to think spiritually and creatively about something that's analytical or reversing that, you now have combined your brain. And that's why it's so much more powerful. I find that that's what this bullet journal does as well. People can look at Ryder Carroll's information on how to use a bullet journal, but for if you have 
if any of your people have businesses, I encourage you to give it a try. Mm -hmm. Just keep it simple. But I find that it, I just, I go, what does my week look like in advance? And I just write it out and I can breathe. What does my day look like in advance? And I can breathe because I'm not afraid of things coming out. It's that fear, isn't it? That I'm going to forget something. Something's going to be popping out at us all the time because that's kind of the world we live in. And this way you get to slow down and you get to write it down or draw it out. And now you can go back into now mode because we, I think we're so fatigued all the time because our adrenaline is constantly getting stimulated with the ping, you know, and the message coming in and the email box coming in. And we, this way we get to say, no, for a minute, I'm going to decide what my next moment is going to be. I'm going to be in proactive mode rather just in reactive mode. And I think that that's one of the super powerful things about journaling is that we're thinking about, you know, who am I? Where am I right now? What do I want? What's working for me? What isn't working for me? And you get to slow down and you get to decide what you're going to do next, what your priorities are. Instead of just you know, responding to everything like we're in some kind of a test lab and we're being prodded all the time with things or we're in a maze and then we're given a little cookie or some kind of a reward every time we swipe or every time we respond to something. But those are low-level things. They're not even quality activities that we are engaging in. I worry for us a little bit. I worry for us because it is so addictive and I feel it all the time. You respond to a stupid thing in your email inbox or in social media and you get a little rush. You get a little high as if you have finished something important, but most of those things are not. They're, they're not moving the needle. They're not moving us forward. They're not making us better people or a better society. I've been reading, I just finished a book called Deep Work. Oh, and yeah. I think that, How new yeah, I think that, yeah, one of the things I think we need to do is practice deep work times, whether we are creating um, art, an art project or writing a book or uh, doing some kind of a business project, just saying, setting the intention that, okay, hey, for the next 50 minutes, I'm going to build some brain muscles, some brain pathways for deep work. And that means we turn the phones off. And we say, I'm, it's the temptation of squirrel. You know, we want to go to the email. As soon as it gets uncomfortable, we want to go for that swipe, that little endorphin rush. But setting those practice times that we're, and I think in that way, we will we'll have the mental pathways to respond to this busy world. We'll be able to respond quickly, but we'll also be able to go deeply when we want to. Mm. And saying, you know, because there's going to be that temptation, but for the next 30 minutes, for the next 50 minutes, I'm going to work deeply on this and I'm not going to let myself squirrel. And it'll get easier and easier and easier because that squirreling is kind of an addiction. So I know I'm having a really hard time with it. I have to keep practicing it again and again. And I'm hoping I'll build neuro pathways to make that deep work easier. But we don't live in a world right now, a culture right now that supports that. So I think that'll have to be something that we decide that this has to be a priority because we're going to show up so much more powerfully. We're going to be able to serve people so much better if we're able to do both. If we're able to respond to the constant stimulus, the stimuli without feeling overwhelmed, but also being able to work deeply and slow down whenever we want and we need. 
One hundred percent. I love that. Was we- a long soapbox, wasn't it? I don't even know, <laughs> but I think about it all the time. Yeah, and I think everyone watching or listening to this, they're nodding their head in agreement because it is so easy to slip down that like that swap, 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 swap yeah. mode. And um, then somebody else is controlling us. Somebody else is running our days. Hundred percent, and that's yeah. what we feel like if we've just been consuming, consuming yeah. the whole time. Yeah, uh, which is why no wonder we're so exhausted all the time and so much adrenal fatigue because we're we're a gerbil on that wheel, and the wheel's not going anywhere 100%. unless we slow it down, integrate our brains, come out from a wiser, more mindful perspective, where we decide today. This is the kind of day I'm going to have. This moment, I'm going to enjoy this time with my child. I'm going to enjoy this book and practicing those deep, uninterrupted moments. Because mm. they're treasures. It's so interesting because I feel like that that whole um, the whole idea of being proactive rather than reactive, yeah. it kind of summarizes my story. So um anyone wanting to listen to my story, I think it was one of the first episodes of the podcast, but basically I went from proactive, no, from reactive to proactive and 100% the like reason for that was journaling and journaling has saved me. My form of journaling was art journaling, but I just love that you completely summarized my whole life in like, what's that? Five words, proactive rather than reactive. Yeah. Yeah, it feels powerful. And I think the reason it's such a confidence builder is that if you do something you're proud of, you get to celebrate the victory because you feel like it's yours. And if you make a mistake and you own it, it's okay because you still have the power that I can do it differently next time. You get to learn from it. So you get to win-win. When things work out, you get to celebrate it and feel like it was because of you. And if you make a mistake by owning it, you still own the power. You're staying out of victim mode and that victim mode, that, that's not just this generation or this time, that victim mode is insidious. It's so easy to slip into. I have a couple of friends, I have my sister and my best girlfriend. We help each other all the time stay out of victim mode because it's just so easy. We're allowed to whine for a little bit and then we need to get back into, okay, what would I do differently? If life had a rewind button, let's learn from this. What would I do differently next time? And then you own the power again. You're learning and you're growing. It's so much better. Oh, Rebecca, you are so wise. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So based on all of that, the benefits of, of journaling and all that, let's talk a bit more specifically about these five paths that you have identified. Um, yeah, let's talk. Let's jump into those. Okay, I want to tell. I want to tell your people the most powerful thing I have learned about journaling. I'm like, I just want to stand on a street corner with a sign saying, "Oh my God, you have to hear this thing," and you're going to tell everybody about it. Okay, it's called expressive writing, Ooh. and it's called expressive writing. All of these scientific studies have been done about it. Did you know? that if you have some kind of a surgery or medical procedure coming up, if you journal about that for three days before the surgery, you will heal faster than the control group who didn't journal. Wow. I know. Wow. Yeah. It gives you goosebumps. You want to tell everybody about it. 
And I've been doing expressive writing all the time. The idea with expressive writing is that something keeps coming up, a thought, you know, a feel, an emotion again and again and again, and you're stuck in it. And so when you take that one thing, whether it's the fight with your girlfriend or feeling guilty about this or worry about something or worrying about your weight, it doesn't matter what it is. You're having this same thought and feeling intruding again and again and again. So you get out your journal. And for three days in a row, I write at the top of the page, I go, expressive writing day one, (laughs) because you want to do it three days in a row. It can just be 10 minutes a day. So I go, all right, I'm, I'm having these, this feeling come up and it keeps this fear of failure keeps coming up again and again. And it's wrecking my life. It's wrecking my day. I can't think clearly. I can't make decisions for my business because I'm so racked in this fear of failure. So you just let your pen go and it just starts moving by itself. So you just write on that single topic. That's why this works. It's unlike morning pages, which I'll tell you about in a second. So it's not just a mind dump. It's not just a venting. You are thinking with your pen or I suppose your keyboard about one particular issue that is coming up for you. So you just keep going about that. Whatever comes into your brain, because remember now you're operating from a whole brain, not just from the emotional side, not just from the analytical side. You're coming from the power of a whole brain approach from this. So you just write on it for about 10 days. And then the next day, you make sure you do it again. Expressive writing day two. Okay, I'm feeling a little bit better about that fear, but it's still coming up. I noticed on my staff meeting the other day, I was afraid to, you know, talk about my tagline because I had this fear of inadequacy. So la, 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 or I had a fear of grandstanding. And I think that comes from 10 years ago when such and such happened, you know, it's it's kind of crazy time. You just go with it. Mm. You know, you let your pen just keep going. Now you finished day two. And then by day three, like if it was a small topic, by day three, perhaps I'm bored with it and I'm, I'm free of it. I'm bored with it. Or by day three, I'm like, oh, okay, I'm starting to see where that came from. Um, you know, a possible solution might be this. And that might happen like that. And you just keep thinking with your pen. And that's it. At the end of day three, I don't know why it works, but you're free. It's like you've released it. You've honored it. You've shown a flashlight on a light on the issue. And usually by the end of day three, either the pressure has been removed and I've experienced some self-compassion. Either I have clarity about what it is that I want to go forward or I've just had relief. But I noticed that a lot of times that issue is just gone. Now, other issues keep coming up. That's the why I, in my bullet journal, that's why I like the bullet journal, is sometimes I have my to-do list for the day, but this represents real life in a linear format because then some issue came up. And so I needed to spend three days writing about it. It's right in here. So yeah, I tell everybody about it. You have to just try it. There's no, the, the rules are, it's three days in a row on a particular topic or issue that's been coming up for you, whether it is a surgery or a thing, but it doesn't matter what it is. It's extremely powerful. So I'm so, I mean, I want to hear from everybody if they give it a try. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like it would be, it's so helpful for, I mean, not only objective problems, you know, like a surgery or, or fears, but also, you know, the inner critic, it would be very good to deal with her. 
yeah. through that. It counts. This expressive writing is a type of therapeutic journaling. Mm-hmm. So that is one of the paths of journaling. Is And it's so funny. When people come to journaling.com, I thought that the productivity path was going to be the most popular. And then I thought, oh, no, it'll be the creativity. No, guess what the number one path is at journaling.com? The therapeutic. And we, and we even call it mental health. And we thought, no, we can't call it mental health. People will never click on that. But oh, yeah, depression, anxiety, huge issue in the world today. That feeling of loneliness, that feeling of disconnection from others. Oh, my gosh, it's pervasive. And so people, the number one path on journaling.com is the the mental health path. And I love the fact that there is no stigma, no shame about it. We all get it like, wow, life can be so hard sometimes. And I'm so glad that we're able to talk about it. In fact, which leads naturally into the next point of guided journaling. Mm. Guided journaling can, it follows all the different styles. It can be guided journaling for creativity. It can be for productivity. It can be for physical health, mental health, mindfulness. But guided journaling is also a great way to journal. And I'm finding that I am, I love learning all these ways of journaling. And I think your people will too, because they're just like tools. You put them in your toolbox or you put them in your back pocket. And then the next time an intruding thought keeps coming up, you go, oh, I know how to do three days of expressive writing on that. Right. Or you're starting the day and you're having a lot of anxiety. So you say, oh, I'm going to do, I'm going to do morning pages from Julia Cameron's work. So I'm just going to set a morning routine for myself where every day I just fill three pages of mind vomit. I just let it all out and it can be a different topic every day. It doesn't matter. I'm just, I'm filled up to here or in German, ich habe die Nase voll. I've got a nose full (laughs) for your German (laughs) listeners. And you just get to release that. So you do morning pages. So now you go, oh, I know how to do morning pages or, oh, I know how to do bullet journaling to help me stay organized. And guided journaling, you can either buy a guided journaling. So like busy parents, they like the five-minute gratitude journal. Oh, by the way, speaking of guided journals, in a way, um, congratulations, Kaylee. Your Get Messy journal has made journaling.com's top 10 list for creativity. Oh, yay. (laughs) So we're going to announce it officially in January, but now your readers get to have the behind the curtain look. (laughs) Yay. Yeah. Yeah, congratulations. <laughs> Thanks for making Yeah, that. Yeah, so that guided journaling. And on journaling.com, um, anybody who comes over, just sign, you know, subscribe and become a free member of journaling.com because um, in the free member area, we've put a copy of our guided journal called 30 Days of Joy. And the story behind that, it's pretty personal and pretty powerful. So my adult son... Um, you know, like he suffered from mental illness. He was going along fine. And for a lot of kids that age, between 18 and 24, he shit hit the fan. He came home from college suddenly with OCD and tremendous anxiety. His weight dropped. Uh, He was washing his hands constantly. They were red and raw and it went on. We couldn't find any medicine that worked. We thought we tried a spiritual approach to it, this and that. It became a really powerful experience that went on year after year. And my husband and I would go to bed at night kind of crying. We thought we were going to lose him. So it got, you know, not to be a downer while people are painting, but here's kind of the power of journaling is I realized everybody was really scared. Everybody was really depressed. And like a lot of moms, I knew I got to raise our level. 
I got to rise all of our boats. And if I'm down there in the well with them, if I get into that fear and that despair and that depression and that guilt, oh my God, how are we going to get out of this? So that's how I created that 30 days of joy. I did guided journaling. I would sit down with my blank journal and I would ask myself questions. And it started out in the beginning. It's like, okay, what can you do today that will make you feel better? And then I, I like a giant Q. What will you do today that will make you feel better? And then I have a giant A and I go, nothing, nothing's going to make me feel better. You know, being honest. Mm -hmm. And then I do the Q and I go, try again. You must find something. It's like I'm talking to myself, a stern talking to. You must find something today, any little tiny glimmer of hope, joy, happiness. And then the next A, I go, well, I suppose I do enjoy my chai. I really, yeah, that would feel pretty good. And then the Q answers back and it says, okay, go do some chai time. And then I had that little bit of relief because sometimes we're searching for happiness or joy but what we really need at that moment is relief if we're down there. And relief is pretty darn good too. So in the beginning, when joy was just too far away, happiness was not even on the list of possibilities. I just kept reaching for relief. And that was day one. My joy, my joy that day, and I would go to bed and I'd go, okay, what, was there any joy today? Yeah, I enjoyed that my cup of chai sitting out in the swing in the backyard, having that little moment of peace. Okay. Then the next day, it was like, Okay, you have to do something again today that brings you joy. What can you do today that will bring you joy? And I'm like, oh, God, this is so hard. You know, sometimes joy just feels so hard. I went, oh, I suppose I could go for a walk. It's a really pretty day out. I can go for a walk. I don't think it'll bring me joy, but it'll sure be better than sitting here in fear. So I would go for a walk. So anyway, I did that for 30 days. And it brought my joy back and I was able to see the big picture. So when we went to the doctor's office that next time and I was so afraid because we'd have been avoiding this serious medicine, this serious mental health medicine, because you know, I thought, oh, once he gets on this, he's going to have to be on it forever. But I, I wasn't in the well with them. So when the doctor said, um, yeah, I think it's time. We've been really working hard to keep him off of that I think it's time for us to give this a try. And my son said, yeah, I'm hanging on by my fingernails. I'm not going to make it unless we get on this medicine. Because my own tank was filled, I've been putting on my oxygen mask every day for the last 30 days. So even though you know, tears were falling down my face, I was able to hear my son and hear the doctor without my own crap getting in the way. And I was able to say, yeah, it's time. It's okay. It's going to be time. And the medicine ended up being a miracle. Yeah. So it worked right away. He's been on it now for a, a year and a half, two years. It was a total game changer. And now he's back in college. He's doing well. He was able to stay by himself while we went to San Francisco to visit our daughter. So, but I, I think journaling kind of saved, saved him. Because I don't know what would have happened. But if I hadn't just tried to keep putting that oxygen mask on, that, you know, you, and guided journaling was the way that worked. I didn't find an outside journal that was able to do that for me, but I was able to create it for myself. And I think that your listeners can do that too. That guided journaling doesn't have to be something you buy in a store. It can just be that series of questions and answers because by journaling and thinking analytically about your feelings, our answers are coming from a whole brain approach. Oh a more powerful but so of course the answers are wiser and also this journaling it allows us to step back 
a little bit. Because otherwise, we're so immersed in things that we can't separate ourselves from the moment, from the intensity of the feelings. And by slowing down and letting it flow through our pen or our pencil, or our keyboard, we have a little distance from it. And now we can see, ah, oh, it's probably not the end of the world. Mm-hmm. It's going to be okay. So you're just able to think a little more clearly. It's so incredibly powerful. I want, I'm on a mission. I'm like a, yeah. I'm like a journaling zealot. I want everyone in the world to know how powerful journaling can be, what a, what a game changer it can be. Mm. And, and think about a world where we all knew how to journal. We would be better parents. We would be better children for our older parents. We would be better bosses. We would be better employees. We would be better friends because we wouldn't be being run by our own baggage, our, you know, our own monkey mind. We would kind of help clear out the monkey mind for a little bit so we can show up as our best self in the world and interact with people. Most of the time, you know how it is when we're talking with somebody, we're not really listening to them. We're listening to our own insecurities and monkey mind going in our brain. So even if you do morning pages or you do the therapeutic journaling, whatever it is, get that monkey mind out you know, and get, enjoy a little relief and a little release from it so that you can be present in this beautiful world we've been given. It's a pretty incredible experience, isn't it? We're, we're like on this marble floating out there in outer space. There's nothing else like this around. And what a tremendous opportunity and gift we've been given if we can just get out of our own way enough to really be present in the moment, fully in the moment, no matter what it is, no matter what's going in, but to advantage of it, because we don't know how long we have. I mean, this is a pretty special gift that we've been given. And I think journaling helps us experience that gift, this life we've been given a little more easier, you know, a little more easily and a little more beautifully, showing up more beautifully and seeing more beauty around us. Another soapbox, huh? That is that is so powerful, and that whole story is powerful, and you are just doing amazing things in the world, Rebecca. Oh, I hope so. I'm enjoying it so much, and I get scared <laughs> too, like we all do, and a lot of that fear of failure, fear of this and that, so I just keep journaling about it, because I have this powerful <laughs> desire to be of service, to make a difference in the world, and we all do, don't we? So I am finding that journaling is really helping me kind of center and get past those fears. Another another path for journaling too is the physical path because our beautiful brains, there's something called neuroplasticity. I am so amazed about this that I've been reading about it. In order for us to survive as human beings, we have we've become very adaptable. So we must adapt to saber-toothed tigers coming out of the bush. So that makes us a little hypervigilant. It makes us more negative because we've been biologically programmed to notice the bad because that kept us alive. But of course, that's no way to live because we don't have saber-toothed tigers coming after us, but we're still responding to things all the time. We're still, the adrenaline is constant when we're watching the news and in this world of constant input, we can never get a break from it. 
But the beauty of that is that we get to build the neural pathways in our brain. It's like a muscle that we exercise. So by using a gratitude journal or a guided journal, we are telling our brain, no, this is important. I'm now going to practice mindfulness. I'm going to practice deep work. I'm going to practice gratitude. I'm going to practice being proactive. And the more you do that, the deeper those pathways become. It's almost like canals that are getting worn down by the passage of water. And it makes it easier and easier to be positive. So I've been practicing positivity for so many decades now. It's natural for me. I've been practicing what I call kindness you know, for so long now that I just kind of naturally see that in others. So it started out maybe 20 years ago as a goal, like, no, I really want to be more kind to others and to myself. You know, I want to, you know, and I, and I just kept practicing and now, and now that's just become part of my biology, if you will. But that's another positive and a physical side of journaling is this neuroplasticity. Our brains are plastic, our brains are adaptable, and we get to decide what pathways, what we want our pathways to be like. And it's all based on the thoughts. So I was reading the book, um, Hardwiring Happiness. It's, it's a hard read in a little bit, but the idea in general is, as we are going through life, this is like the mindfulness path for journaling. As we go through life, we see something that we like. You stop and you take it in and you even magnify it. So you're out for a walk or you look out through the window and you see a flower. And so you, you feel it. Don't just pass that by. You literally stop and smell the rose. So you stop and you say, ah, oh, you magnify that feeling. I love that flower. I love this beauty. There's so much beauty all around me. I'm so glad I paused to take a look at that. You really ridiculously magnify that again and again and again. And in that way, it's stop magnify, and then you tell your brain to let it in. It's like you just let it be part of you, and that builds the pathway so that you see flowers more often in your life. You experience more chai moments in your life because you've told your subconscious, this is what I want you to pay attention to. And that's, tell everybody about that too. We don't know that. You know, but that's another powerful benefit of mindfulness and of journaling. We get to tell our subconscious, this is what I want you to pay attention to. Exactly. I felt also like journaling is a very practical way to do something. You know, it's, it's, it's very low pressure. You know, you just need something to write with, whether it's a computer or something tangible. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's easy. You just yeah. need to do a little bit every day. I think it's simple. I don't know if it's always easy. Yes. Right? Because, um, for example, we can just do, people have dyslexia, writing's not easy for them. So Dr. Pennebaker, he says you can even do finger writing in the air. And that still is going to combine your brains. It's going to integrate your brains, even just by writing in the air. I find that even just by slowing down and talking about it while I'm out on a walk, what am I feeling right now? Oh, I'm feeling pretty anxious. You know, I'm feeling pretty worried about this. And, you know, I don't know if it's a female thing or it's all humanity. I've usually got about 10 feelings going on at the same time. 
<laughs> it's like I'd be locked up if I really admit it. it's like I'm really <laughs> anxious, I'm a little sad, I'm really kind of happy, and I'm excited about that. I'm Lord, <laughs> okay, but just slowing down and acknowledging all of those emotions. But yeah, that's where you can write in the air, or you can write anywhere. But it's it's simple, but it isn't always easy. For example, there's the fear of the blank page. I don't know what to put the blank canvas, the blank page. There's the fear of the blank page that once I start on it, I'm going to make a mistake. So that's that fear of failure, that fear of not good enough. So that's why that um, expressive writing helps because I'm feeling this right now or the morning pages, they work. You, they help you get over the fear of the blank page. I don't know what to write this morning. I kind of went to dinner last night. I had a really good time. I got a little hungover this morning and I'm a little worried because maybe I overate. You know, the pen just starts moving. You just keep going. So getting over the fear of the blank page because the beautiful thing as about journaling is there's no wrong way to do it. And I think by by like going to journaling.com and learning about these different ways of doing it, you don't do them all at the same time. It's just that like, like through this interview, people are going to know, ah, oh, this is an opportunity for expressive writing. I, I really want to practice that. And then you find yourself doing it over and over and over again, not every day because you don't have issues coming up every day, but when they do, you take that tool out of your toolbox and you use it or for creativity, art journaling, you know that, boy, the whole idea of, you know, just black paint on a page to represent it. I'm feeling really down and dark today. And then maybe you say, you know, maybe then you do a little guided journaling around it. Like I'm feeling really dark today. And then your wise integrated brain answers back and says hope. So then you write maybe in white letters, the word hope on top of that black ink. And maybe you just put that up and you see it, whatever it is, you've got that art journaling tool. Or you've got, if you're in overwhelm all the time, if you experience mania a lot for bipolar people, those morning pages can be tremendously valuable because they get to just vent. They get to just get it all out so that they can start the day with a clear canvas. So just, or the, even the bullet journaling, or just even that, I, I like it. I call it productivity planner, the way I create myself, just even looking at my schedule for the day. And I, I can come back and teach your people how to do that, pro, you know, peacefully productive if that's of interest. But I found that to be really good too. Just slowing down and saying, hey, this is my schedule for the day. This is what I've got coming up. It's, you know, and you do you get to do a little deep work about that using that beautiful analytical mind that we've been given. But I think that I think that journaling is tremendously valuable, and I'm very excited about it too because I keep hearing again and again people keep saying, "Oh, this is the perfect timing." I've just been creating a journal about this. I've been creating an online course about this. I think I believe that we are. Many people are given the same idea at the same time, an idea that's pretty important. So I'm noticing a synchronicity that a lot of us showing up with this same desire to serve in this way. I feel like there's this tipping point coming that right now, 16% um, of people journal worldwide. That's pretty darn high. That is so high. if you were to do, yeah, it's pretty high. If you were to do an informal survey at a dinner party, you would probably find that, you know, four out of the 20, five out of the 20 um, journal. Um, another kind of a barrier to journaling is that fear of the blank page and also time. So we, I want us to be good ambassadors for journaling. Um, just talking about letting people know, oh, just try that three days of expressive writing. You can't do it wrong. It's okay. 
or, you know, for art drilling. No, this is how you do it. Here's a simple way you do it. It's okay. You know, just give it a try. So I think we can be ambassadors for that because I think the world is in pain. So many people are in pain out there. My God, we don't even know. I, I was reading, according to the American Psychology Association, the two big problems in the world. I thought they were going to say anxiety and depression. And they said, no, it's loneliness and separateness. Oh. Yeah. What, is the, what would be the difference between loneliness and separateness? I think that they're really tied. And, and it's big feeling a separation. The other day I was, um, I was waking up and I was feeling kind of down. And, but I needed to go to the grocery store. So I walked over to the grocery store and while I was checking out, I had to smile and, you know, and show up, say, Hey, how's your day going? And then I needed to go over to the drugstore to pick up something. And I smiled again. And when I came back, because I'd had that connection with other people, uh, my, my depression was lifted. But if I'd just gone to a, um, an ATM, like an automatic teller, or if I'd gone to an automatic food, you know, machine, you know, I, and I had not, in, I had not um, had a, an experience with people, interacting with people, I think it might have been there. And so we are more separate from people. People have their headphones on all the time. People are on their devices all the time. So I think that that, that separateness, that feeling of separateness leads to a feeling of isolation, which then, of course, leads to a feeling of loneliness and depression and anxiety. Mm. I have noticed, though, that I see people like my, I have three children in their 20s. I see them getting much better about their putting their devices away. You know, my daughter and her friends, they'll go to Golden Gate Park in San Francisco. They'll put out a blanket and they'll open up a bottle of wine and have, you know, a bruschetta or, you know, snacks with while they're playing a game. So I see them getting much better about unplugging. Mm. Or they'll go out to dinner. I have another daughter in New York. When they go to the dinner, the rule is nobody gets to be on their cell phones. Because I think people are experiencing that hunger for connection, that yes. need for it. So I think that it was a new it was a new device, a new technology. So, you know, the pendulum swings way over here. And now I see the pendulum newness of it, but I see now we're understanding that we need that deep work time. We need that human connection. So I think the pendulum is swinging back to a little more sane, sane pace I and a sane that. use of it. <laughs> at it least goes, hopeful. <laughs> well, it goes back to um, what you were saying right at the beginning about the power of the tangible. I think anyone listening to this who has ever done anything with their hands knows, like you can yeah. tell it's good for you. Even if you do it, even if you've only done it once in your life, you can tell that it's really good for your like yeah. deep, deep soul, like deep in your gut. Yeah connecting through your heart and your soul through your body because i think that that is quieting the monkey mind mm. yeah and i and i've been studying mindfulness now too reading the um untethered soul by michael singer and i i just love learning i'm like a lifelong learner but i've been learning that there isn't just a monkey mind but there's also monkey emotions going on too where the emotions are you know the shallow emotions are all over the place and i think that slowing down, meditating, journaling, going for a walk in nature, doing that pen or the brush in the body. I think that that helps us integrate and relieve some of that monkey mind, that monkey emotions. Yes. Anything where we, where we do deliberate action takes us away from our passive nature, right? Um, because our default, I feel like 
it's so easy to just be passive and to stand back and to let yeah. life happen to you um, and then making small everyday action slowly leading to a bigger thing and you know like letting yourself create that snowball effect for yourself um with your goals and with your habits can really make something magic yeah i would imagine it would give tremendous peace of mind too that that distress that i'm feeling right now it's not always going to be there you know stay with it yeah. stay yeah. with it keep going you know it's a lot of times that it's un, it's discomfort that we're feeling and it's because it's unfamiliar it's something that's new it's the blank page it's the blank canvas it's the new walking path it's the new con, you know, country it's showing up and we're experiencing it as a fear but what it probably really is is it's just we're not comfortable with it because it's not familiar yeah yeah Exactly. And, and just relaxing into that discomfort instead of resisting it or fighting against it. Yeah. It's like, oh, no, I'm feeling uncomfortable with this because it's new, of course, because all of our biological protective instincts are raging inside of us to protect us from the unknown. Because there might be a saber-toothed tiger in the bush. So we're finding out more in psychology that negativity bias that we're experiencing, it was a protective instinct. It just means that we're probably going to have to make a concerted effort to overcome it. Because it's part of our biology, it's not necessarily serving us very well. So we're going to have to pause and kind of overcome it a bit again and again and again and it's okay <laughs> <laughs> and we have the tools that we like we've got all the tools and we've got yeah. people that can lead us like like oh. you Rebecca oh the, no, it's not I'm the learner in this I'm like the host of it I I get to interview all of these experts like yourself I am as I said I'd been a journaler my whole life but I only know knew my way of journaling I didn't but know it, that there was this whole world out there I like, but I like the idea that you are like a facilitator. I don't know if that's the yeah. right word, but you, yeah. you're able to collate all the best parts about each individual person's learning and, and yeah. distribute it to everyone. I love that. And aren't we all really in this world? We can become experts in our own area, but there's a lot of cool expertise out there. And just to be lifelong learners, I think that takes the pressure off of us as well a little bit of that fear of failure too. It's like, oh, that was pretty cool. And isn't it neat that that person knows how to do that better? I want to learn from them. I want to exactly. read that book. I want to take that course. And oh my gosh, the internet, best thing yeah. ever. <laughs> like, yeah. For yeah, me, I love like, that. growing up in the third world, I mean, they're not that many people there. You know, they're not as many experts as there are per square kilometer, per square mile as in, I don't know, yeah. Europe. Um, but the internet just makes everything magical. I, I'm just thinking about, you know, my cell phone, even though, you know, even though I, it can run amok, I just think it's amazing, miraculous. I'm so glad to be alive in a time where I can research anything anytime I want. It used to be that I would go to the university and I'd park all day and I'd go into their research library. 
But no, it's right here. <laughs> it's like Dr. Google. I mean, I can, we can overdo it. It's like, oh, I should not have consulted Dr. Do Dr. Google about that pain in my foot because now I'm just off the rails. Now you're going to get amputated. <laughs> <laughs> but still pretty amazing, pretty miraculous. Oh, oh I love it. Okay, so we've, I feel like we've spoken about the five parts of journaling. Yeah. Uh, do you want to just name them out loud uh, and then yeah. just to remind everyone about what we spoke about and then whichever ones people who are listening to, uh, the ones that they, that spoke to them, they can check it out more in depth yes. on journaling.com. Yeah, that's a great idea. So you start where you are right? It's like you start where you are. It's like, oh, I, I think the physical path might be really beneficial for me because I have a health goal or I've got a health challenge or I'm struggling with my weight. So I think maybe I'll start with the physical path or the mental health path. Like, no, I've really got this emotional stuff coming up. You know, emotional health stuff and your stress, anxiety, oh, hands up. I'm going to start with the you know, emotional health path. So you just go in there and you explore. Or creativity. I interviewed someone who she believes that creativity is the foundation for everything else. That for mental health, physical health, mindfulness, productivity, it all starts with creativity. So maybe, or that yearning to be more creative, or that that's your gift and you get it and you want to know how to magnify it, then you go into the creativity path. Or the mindfulness, perhaps it's for more connection to yourself or a deeper spiritual connection. So you say, oh, no, I've got a yearning. I want to explore the mindfulness path or productivity. I've got a big goal coming up. I'm working on a book. I've got a business. Oh, I'm feeling anxious. Things have been falling through my fingers. I have not been showing up the way that I, my best self, would like to. I'm going to explore the productivity path because I think that the journaling mindful way of productivity might be a better fit for me than the boot camp method of it. So then you just have, and it's all the beautiful thing about journaling.com and about journaling in general. It's so loving. It's so accepting. It's so kind. There is nobody going to be cracking the whip. Nobody going to be saying you should have done better. You know, you should be better. You should be more. There's none of that. I, I just love the fact that it's so kind and it's so loving and it all starts with that self-compassion, doesn't it? Because we're, we're human beings. We're having this experience. We're doing the best that we can. Sometimes it's great. Sometimes not so good. Sometimes it's not so good in here. You know, we wish it was otherwise, but it's okay. So you just, you just come in and you pick the path. You start with where you are and then you just have fun with it. You just experiment with it. You play with the morning pages and you just, I, I think just in the beginning, experiment with it. Experiment with morning pages and you see, hey, is that really working for me? Yes, I'll continue. No, I'll, I'll, that's pretty good. I'll put it away. Expressive writing. Oh yeah, I really want to give that a try for three days. Or the bullet journaling, like, I wonder if that would serve me. You just, you play with it. You experiment and you're going to you're going to have better skills at the end of that experimentation period. And there's no right or wrong way. There's no failure. You're just being a learner. And I, I love approaching everything as an experiment because that way you've taken the pressure off of the outcome. It's like, I don't know how this is going to turn out, but I'm just going to get on the path. I'm going to step on the path and I'm going to explore it. And whatever happens, it's okay. <laughs> 
Oh, I love that. I love it. You're speaking my language completely. Yeah. Amazing. Thank you. Like yeah, I'm just, if, so, if you want, yeah, I would, I would love to come, come to journaling.com or write to me, Rebecca at journaling.com. I would love to, I'd love to, you know, to meet your people, get to know them better. I'm waving to you guys. I wish I could see you. <laughs> Yeah, but I'd love to hear what how these methods work for you. And do go and download the 30 Days of Joy. Um, it was absolutely a life changer, you know, for our family, a game changer. I think it's a nice way if journaling is new for you, guided journaling is a pretty great way to start. And with the goal of more joy or lightness in your life, that's eh, pretty good too. So it's just pretty easy. You go in and you have day one and that gives you a little a little cue and you write your answer and you just get to experience a little joy spark that day. And, and I've written it out in a very specific way that keeps taking you into bigger and bigger and bigger joys so that by the time the 30 days is over, you have developed those neural pathways for joy because you've made a habit of looking for joyful things, pausing magnifying them, letting them in. And so hoping to overcome that negativity bias that we have. So just that 30 days of joy, 10 minutes a day, you show up differently at the end of 30 days. Life's a little bit easier at the end of that 30 days. And you have a new school, a new skill, and you're operating from here instead of from here. And I do find that life happens and you may have to do those 30 days again and again and again throughout your life. It's okay. At least you'll have a new tool. You'll have a new a source that you can do to help you out. I oh, love it. Yeah. yeah, and I feel like you also with that you're not you're not alone anymore. We've got you as our guide, and yeah, what a wonderful gift you've given to us. I would love that. Oh, and of course, selfishly that. that selfishly that helps me too, right? Because we all feel a little lonely. We all feel a little isolated. Yeah. So being part of this journaling movement you know, like a journaling ambassador and kind of spreading the world or the art movement, it feels good to be part of something and something that's, you know, helping us and you know will help others as well. What a gift that is. It's not selfish to look out for yourself. It's not selfish to put your own oxygen mask on first, to start with your own joy and your creativity and your release, because then you're coming from a better place, a higher tank inside you, a full tank, so that you can show up um, better for the people in your lives and maybe even the world in general. It's oh. not a selfish thing. It helps everyone. Completely. Oh, man. So great. So great. Rebecca, it's been an absolute delight talking to you. I wish we could talk forever. Oh, thank uh, you for your time. I'm going to end it here. Uh, and if anyone wants more, Rebecca, you know where to go, journaling.com. Yeah. And it's so nice talking to everybody. Happy creativity. Yeah. Oh, man. Get messy. <laughs> Thanks, Rebecca. Thank you. Bye. Yeah. Uh, I got no time. I'm exhausted. I'm too broke. Uh, got a full-time job and I'm a mother of four. Uh, no more excuses, you can leave that at the door Kaylee Gray, break it down, time to let the world know If you wanna be an artist, let the world be a stage Working every day, let's see just what it takes uh, How to be an artist with Kaylee Gray No more excuses, and that's all I gotta say yeah.